Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast. This is Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy, and I am excited to be your host of the show. This is episode 14, and we have Bobby of Geeky Bobbin as our guest today. I'm really excited to have Bobby on the show today, not only because she's really fun and down to earth, and that just resonates with me, but I love what she's doing with her business, and we are going to dive into that. But before we do, as you know, I usually start this podcast reading a review, but with this podcast, I'm doing something a little different. I am announcing that I will be opening up another business coaching call. If you have not heard my business coaching call episodes, you can go back and listen to episode 11, where I have a business coaching call with Casey Cometti, and just last week, episode 13 with Aaron Grogan. So if you have a creative business and you are looking to grow that business and you'd love some mentorship or a business coaching call, then listen up because I am doing something brand new. At the end of this episode, if you can rate the show and leave a review and then either leave your Instagram name or DM me a screenshot of your review so that I know that you've left a review and who's left a review. I am going to be looking through those reviews, and in the next few weeks, whoever leaves a review is eligible for the business coaching call. I'm excited to see who applies, and I'm really excited to work with one of you to dive into your business and see how we can help your business grow and have more success. And now I'm really excited to introduce you to Bobby of Geeky Bobbin. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for being here on the Craft to Career show. I love meeting with entrepreneurs, especially in the quilting community, who have taken their craft and turned it into a successful career. And I know my listeners love to hear kind of behind the scenes how everything's happened and fallen into place. So can you share with our listeners a bit about your quilting journey and how it became a career for you? Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having me. Um, Mm. So I... I do not come from quilters. I've always been a crafter, but quilting is not part of my heritage. So um, I have done sewing and um, garment making, um, Barbie dresses that, you know, don't have any kind of fasteners to get them on or off uh, since I was like, you know, tiny Um, knitting, crochet. But I didn't start quilting until I was in my 30s. And, um, in that part of your life where, you know, there's babies happening. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was making, um, a baby blanket for a friend who was having her second baby. And the first baby I had made her a crocheted blanket. And I thought, you know what, this other one, she's a gamer, we're nerds. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, I was going to make something about Tetris. I was like, oh, well, I could make a bunch of granny squares and um, put them together like a Tetris game. And I started looking around for inspiration, you know, doing the Pinterest thing like you do. And then I thought, oh, maybe I can make this a quilt. Um, And there's this crafty group that I belong to on Facebook that's like all moms, basically. Um, But, you know, everybody does a different kind of craft. And I knew that there were some quilters there. And I said, am I going to want to throw my sewing machine out the window (laughs) if I make this quilt? And I got such an amazing wealth of resources and advice from these like professional quilters that just happened to be in the same mom group. 
um, that I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. Um, and so I made a Tetris quilt, um, for my friend. And before I even finished making it, I realized that it was not the right quilt for her. So I went and like designed something completely different, um, continued making that quilt top, uh, and then incorporated her tastes in fabric, brought her to the fabric store with me and just basically absorbed every bit of quilting knowledge that I could in order to make this epic baby quilt. Um, wow. So, that yeah, must be a really was, good friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know what? I, I just really loved everything that I was learning about it. And the more I went down the rabbit hole of like YouTube videos and blog posts and stuff, I initially was like, oh, I'm not actually even going to quilt this. I'm just going to like fuse it to, mm-hmm. um, to the batting, <laughs> you know, not that I knew what batting was or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, then, you know, I started seeing in patterns, it said like, you know, quilt as desired. And I was like, well, how do I desire to quilt it? And then I found Angela Walter's blog and videos. And I was like, oh, oh, this is really cool. This is mm-hmm. so exciting. And, you know, I fell in love with all the fabrics as I was, uh, you know, curating a hundred different fabrics for this quilt. Um, and yeah, I just kind of fell completely insanely in love with quilting Um, and couldn't think of anything else at Mm -hmm. any time. You know, my day job was, I wouldn't say suffering, but I was definitely cutting (laughs) fabric while I was on conference calls. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually it got to the point where I was like, I just want to be sewing all the time. Um, I uh, kept on going with sewing. Um, I started getting commissions from friends. Um, And, you know, there was the inevitable, oh, you should start an Etsy shop. So, uh, so I did. Um, and I, all of the things that I made were weird. Um, so, you know, I can't just make a normal baby quilt. that has got to be, <laughs> um, video game or other game related. I can't just make a hat. It's got to be a hat that has a penguin on it or is a tomato. Um, so all of my stuff was weird. And so I found a niche of weird people through mm-hmm. my Etsy shop. Um, apparently the people who are really into squids are such an underserved market because <laughs> holy cow, do they ever love their um, squid car seat ponchos? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know that it was something that the world needed, but once it was out there, holy cow, were they ever buying it? <laughs> now I will be Googling this. <laughs> I don't make them anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I barely had any time to, um, like I was working almost full time. So I was like working four days a week. Um, and, uh, I barely had any time to develop new products or do any kind of marketing at all because I was just so inundated with orders that I was like, you know what, if this is what I can do in two hours a night, what can I achieve if I have like all day to work on this? So my husband and I talked about it and, I was like, yeah, I'm quitting my day job. I'm going to um, continue this Etsy thing while I uh, build up a long arm portfolio and uh, start designing quilt patterns and maybe eventually teach. And so that's what I did. Wow. So what was your job, like the corporate job that you had before? I was a management consultant um, in technology. So I was... um, project managing 
uh, website redesigns and implementations. And before that, it was like huge accounting software packages for giant companies, like million dollar, multi-million dollar projects. Um, wow. Yeah. And I just, I just found myself getting sick of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was motherhood or like, you know, postpartum depression or something, but I was just like, I am so tired of dealing with people. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's so interesting. So I, I mean, I, similar age when I started my career, I wonder if there's something about these, the thirties, you know, where it's like, let's do something different, but I'm curious. So with, it sounds like you worked with technology, like web development. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to be a developer, um, but that was like back in my early twenties. Um, but yeah, I was, I was managing developers and yeah. So does that help you a lot of times, like my students and people who are starting out are wondering, what website do I do? How do I do this? Has that been helpful for you with your website? Um, a little bit. Um, I would say, like I said, I haven't been like a developer or a coder in so long. And really all of the website stuff that I do right now, there's no coding that I'm doing. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I think I know about the process of web design um, and UX design. Um, that's user experience. So I, I think I call on that a bit more. Like my last, um, the last part of my like day job career was with a digital agency. So they were, you know, I was, I was following the designers through their process as they were, um, you know, putting together their creative briefs and um, their wireframes for the websites for the client and the information architecture. And so from that side, it's like much less technical and much more conceptual of like, well, what pages do you really need? And what is a call to action? And how mm -hmm. do we make the buttons really easy for users to find? Much less than like, oh, well, this is how we implement the HTML and the CSS. So it is helpful then, because that's a big stumbling block for, you know, for a lot of people. It's like, well, how do I make this web page, you know, and yeah. how to make it user friendly. And then I have to say, too, I went to your website and it is well done. And also the copy on it, like the wording. Did you hire someone or did you write it yourself, especially the about me section? Oh, um, that's the first page that I need to redo. Actually. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I like it. What does that say about me? Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I, I feel like copywriting is like one of my secret um, superpowers that I didn't know I had until mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I'm writing all this stuff for my business. And I love it. Yeah, um, It didn't come completely like from nothing. I've taken a couple of copy, like specifically business copywriting courses, um, as part of my education. I'm, I'm one of those people who just like Ooh, I should take that course. Ooh, I should take that course. <laughs> I'm just a course junkie. Same. So out of curiosity, are you taking any at the moment? Um, not exactly. Like I haven't bought any new ones lately. Uh, well, it depends on what your definition of lately is. I did <laughs> yeah. buy a Shopify course that I haven't really used and didn't really need, but it was on super, super sale. <laughs> <laughs> I am right there with you. <laughs> Um, oh boy <laughs> it was like 80 percent off right? when you bought her entire bundle and I was like well at that price how can I not I at some point I'm sure I'll use it so. right yeah um yeah you know I haven't bought any recently but um I 
like for copy stuff, I my go-to is Laura Belgray of Talking Shrimp. She oh, yeah. is absolutely brilliant. Um, her tagline is that she writes the only emails that anybody opens anymore or that yep. anybody reads anymore. And she's, she's just a really great copywriter. I like, I bow down to her copywriting abilities. She's, I actually have taken one of her little intro courses myself. So Excellent. she's good. Yeah. Okay. So from your different revenue streams, you mentioned you write patterns. I know from your website that you do guest visits and lectures, you have an online course, which we'll talk about, but what, which of these is the most lucrative for you as a business owner? Um, I would say that it's the online education for sure. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of lump that in with the in-person, um, lectures and workshops from the before times and hopefully mm-hmm. in the after times, some of that as well. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't completely, um, replaced that, in-person revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's more because of the lack of time and energy on my part. <laughs> with okay. having two little kids who are remote schooling again. Yep. Um, yeah, it just, there's no energy left at the end of the day. So I'm kind of just basically keeping the lights on while they're in remote school, um, which it's been three weeks and two days now. Um, oh. I'm counting. <laughs> <laughs> So I did have productive periods um, before they were back home uh, where I was like, yeah, I can do more courses and I can set up some more lectures. And, you know, so it's not from lack of wanting to, but more just like, ah, I don't want to overload myself and then hate everybody. Yep. Good for you. I mean, that's a that's a skill, you know, to be able to say no and set those boundaries. So out of curiosity, how old are your kids? Uh, They are turning six and eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they are very rambunctious. We just, um, we learned how to repair drywall this weekend. (laughs) Oh, there's a story there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That'll keep you busy. Yeah. (laughs) There's a boy mom medal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, we'll, I'm sure to get that sent your way. So, okay. Tell us about your online course. You have the Instagram success. Tell us about that course. So my, um, my program is called ignition and it is my seven day program for creative business owners to start or grow their business through Instagram. So, um, what I was seeing in the quilt industry in particular is I saw a lot of our fellow quilters who were using Instagram to market themselves, but really didn't seem to know the platform. So they're using techniques that uh, work in Facebook and other social media, but don't work on Instagram. So I was like, oh, okay, well, they're just, you know, either pasting in the same content or they don't know how to um, interact and how the app actually works, how people use it. Um, And so I saw this need and I was like, you know what? I, I went through that. I am doing really well with Instagram and I know that there is no manual. There's no support. Like you cannot reach a human at Instagram Mm -mm. for love or money. Um, So I, saw this opportunity and I created a course, um, that walks you through. Um, so it's got a few different components, but the main part of it is there are 
um, videos for each of the seven days where I walk you through um, like click by click, step by step, how to everything in Instagram. So how to do stories. Some people are, you know, they've they've been on Instagram for ages. They've got over 10,000 followers and they have never done a story. They don't know how to do stories Mm -hmm. or they're, you know, they don't know when to do stories. Um, Reels, all of those things um, I cover like click by click. So it's not like, you know, trying to figure it out. I've actually got screen screen grabs and I show where I'm tapping. Um, So that is all in there. And then there's the bonuses that are in there as well um, for answering questions like, but what do I post? Um, You know, how, how can I, um, how can I schedule my posts? Well, I've got a resource that's got 13 free apps that help you to do those kinds of things. And, um, uh, go beyond just the Instagram app um, to that make is it awesome. more productive, like so productivity <clears throat> stuff and um, anything that gets you away from your phone and to be able to do it on your desktop where most mm-hmm. people do business. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, uh, meeting all of those needs that like when you're just first starting to use Instagram, you're like, oh, but how can I do that? in Facebook, I can post from my desktop. And what, how come I can't do that? How do I repost? Uh, In Facebook, you can share a post from someone else. And I've seen other people regramming things, but how do I do this? So there's all of this stuff that's just like a complete mystery. Um, And so I've got apps that cover that. Um, I've got uh, workbooks to help you find your exact hashtags and to build your profile um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what other bonuses I have, but anyway, that's, that's a good high level of what it is. Well, that's genius. And it's so needed. I honestly get questions from people. I don't know, maybe once a week, even just asking how do I post, especially right now I'm doing a quilt along and I'll get emails of people. Here's my quilt top. I'm not sure how to post this. And I'm so grateful. I can be like, you know what? Here's a really awesome course. And it's not super pricey. You know, it, you can afford to do that and, and to take your course and just learn how to do all of the things so I can point people there. Yay. How did you think to come up with this? Were, was it questions being asked or you just saw a need? Yeah, I just saw a need. Um, so I saw a need. And there's also questions being asked in industry Facebook groups. Um, you know, so other other pattern designers, other long arm quilters, you know, asking questions about like, oh, how do I do this in Instagram? What is a hashtag? And I was like, okay, all right. Um, and, you know, just seeing people um, when there is a question or a request or something. And I, I mean, a lot of us are on Facebook groups. If I'm, if you're not in a Facebook group, then this might not make sense, but there's, you know, a discussion and a question of like, Oh, Hey, how can I find so-and-so on Instagram? And then people will paste in their, um, their username or they'll put the at symbol and then their mm-hmm. username and, you know, just something as simple as putting in the URL so that mm-hmm. people don't have to copy and paste into a different app to find you. Yeah. You know, things like that. There's just like these little usability things and that make everyone's life easier or um, just don't come to mind. If, you know, for example, I just saw one the other day of um, a new designer who just created her Instagram account and she said, hey, you can find me at, and then she put hashtag and then her name. Oh no. And this was like in Facebook and I was just like, I, I really wish that I could 
tell you about my course in this group, but mm-hmm. that'll break the Right, group. I know. I know. <laughs> That's <laughs> almost so painful. I'm like, oh, I could help you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it was like, oh, come on, come on, somebody who's taken my course recommended for her. Please. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I too, I know I'll, I'll talk with people like, well, you can use Linktree, and then I'll start chatting about, you know, you only have one URL in your bio, and you yes. want to use that the best you can, and you can tell real quick if they're like. I'm sorry, what? Or yeah. if they get it, you know, so to yeah. be able What's to have a, a link course, in bio, that's another yep. common question. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What does that mean? Or then you see people pasting a, a URL in their caption on Instagram. Right. Like, actually, no one can click on that. And Mm-mm. if they're on their phone in the app, they can't even copy and paste it. Yep. So you are frustrating out of luck yes yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 okay I'm really glad to learn more about this course I will definitely be pointing people over in that direction so I noticed as well that you have a scholarship program can you tell me about that yeah so this is something new that I've started to offer um so in addition to you know being the geeky bobbin I'm also um the president of the Toronto Modern Quilt Guild um for the rest of this year anyway. Um, And we recently had a workshop with Sandra Johnson. So very timely, she was doing quilt, she does wearable art. And so we took one of her quilt coat um, workshops uh, just, you know, at the height of the quilt coat frenzy. And um, she uh, likes to include scholarship spots in her workshops for, um, you know, disadvantaged or disenfranchised possible quilters. And I thought, oh, that's such a great idea. You know, we've been talking in our guild and in the broader quilting community about how we can um, not just make the quilting community more diverse or be more inviting to um, so-called diverse quilters, but like, how can we actually invite people to, you know, come dance, right? Like it's not just Mm -hmm. about being invited to the the party, you know, I want to bring you to the dance floor and have you be part of the party. Um, And so this was one thing that she does. And I thought that's such a great idea. Um, I want to start spreading that love um, through my own workshops. And so um, I've started requesting or suggesting to um, guilds that reach out to me for workshops um, that they offer a scholarship spot on their in their workshop and I will cover the pattern and the um, tuition for that person. So it doesn't count towards their total number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I've got a little write up on my website um, on the teaching section about that. And uh, that way, you know, um, people who wouldn't normally um, get to experience quilting or, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're figuring out their own quilting the way that, uh, that I did, you know, through YouTube and everything, but they might not necessarily, um, think to join a guild or maybe they're part of a guild, but they, you know, can't afford the workshop. So just making things a little bit more accessible and inviting, um, to either younger quilters or quilters who are new to the area and might not have the means to join a workshop in that way, we get to um, interact with each other and bring them into our community and um, have all of the wonderful things that come from, uh, you know, diverse community. 
I love that. Absolutely love that. You know, I've seen a few other people do that as well. Um, and it's something that's been on my heart, you know, just to, to not just say, we want everyone here, but to really make that accessible for Mm -hmm. people who wouldn't normally get that opportunity, you know, and to really open the doors. So I, I love that, that you do that and offer that. I think, um, I think I was listening to, um, Sarah trail of social justice sewing Academy and how she, um, first, you know, she was teaching sewing when she was like a teenager and writing patterns when she was really young and stuff. And her view of the sewing community and how sewing education and programs are, um, really inaccessible for some, uh, some members of society, um, and her desire to make that more accessible, which is what brought on, uh, or part of what brought on social justice sewing academy. And so I was like, you know what, how can I, how can I take that spirit to, um, to my work? And so my hope is, you know, I, I sparked that idea for a guild and then maybe they continue with that idea going forward for all of their, um, all of their workshops with other teachers. And then those teachers are like, Oh, Hey, this is a great idea. I should do this for all my workshops. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, maybe it'll just be commonplace for, you know, Oh yeah, of course there's a scholarship spot. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's, let's get this party started. Yeah. <laughs> let's keep that ball rolling. Um, and in I- terms of ignition, um, I offered, um, so I was one of the mentors with, um, social justice sewing Academy, um, they had an incubator program, uh, last fall and winter. And so I, um, I said, you know, I'm, I'd love to be a mentor. And if I can't be a mentor, I'd love to offer seats in my Instagram course for, um, you know, for the members of, uh, the incubator program. And so that was really rewarding as well, being able to offer that. That is so cool. So I was curious, you've mentioned about how you do visits and how that was a really big part of your revenue. Um, So can you, I've never done like, I've never done a visit, a physical lecture or anything like that. Can you tell me what that looks like and how people find you? Oh, um, yeah. So people find me through, I mean, this is basically the answer to all of the like areas of my revenue. How do people find me? Mm-hmm. Instagram. They find me through Instagram. So as soon as um, I started teaching, like I got invited to teach somewhere. When I first decided I was going to teach, I asked my local quilt shop, just like when I first decided to put out patterns, I asked my local quilt shop if they would like to carry some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so as soon as people saw those announcements in my stories or on my feed or something, they were like, Oh, fresh meat. There's a new, there's a new teacher. And mm-hmm. Oh, we like, we want to have the new fresh teacher. <laughs> so okay. I just kind of got, especially like within Canada, I feel like we are kind of like a closed community. And so as soon as, um, as soon as word got out that like, Oh, geeky Bob and his teaching, Everybody who was on like the the programming committee of their guild was like, oh, new, fresh, <laughs> go get her. <laughs> okay, so that's really great for people in the community to know that there there's always someone looking for a new teacher, a new presenter, that kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's the same kind of thing for, well, you know, let's be meta and say a podcast, right? (laughs) Podcasts, blogs, anybody who is constantly creating content, 
is looking for content to put up. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it's easy to make a blog, but it's not easy to come up with all of these ideas constantly. And so if somebody's willing to, you know, um, give you their, their new idea to, uh, you know, um, fill in that ca- content calendar or the programming calendar. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I'm very big on that. And, and encouraging people, like it's not so much you selling yourself as it is you serving them. You're really helping them fill, you know, like you said, if it's content they're looking for or a teacher, or if you can help serve their audience, you're, you're helping them out. So don't, oh, for sure. you know, don't feel weird about reaching out and, you know, asking. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. Cause like I am, I'm the president of my guild and like one of the biggest challenges we have is like deciding what programming do we want to offer um to our members. So having having somebody reach out is is a wonderful gift. Mm-hmm, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I honestly invite people. I'm like, if you want to, you know, be a guest on my blog or, you know, reach out and ask an offer. And yeah. I'm surprised how many people don't do it. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe after this podcast airs, it'll be like a flood of it, but, um, yeah. but well, that'd be I mean, good but problem. People, so, okay. So I'm going to give this caveat to the people who are now thinking that they're going to inundate you with, um, their suggestions. You have to be smart about it. So this Mm -hmm. is the same, whether it's, you know, whether it's new media, like a podcast or a blog or older media, like a magazine, you really have to know who you are targeting and who you are pitching to, because I am not going to do very well going to like a traditional quilting magazine. My patterns are modern, very much. So if I'm going to go to a magazine, I need to make sure that their aesthetic and their style is a good match to me. Same thing with a blog. If I'm going to suggest a guest blog post for someone, they better be someone who A, might have maybe heard of me, or B, their audience might care about my content or be interested in my content, because not everybody will be. Yes. Oh, preach it. So that's another thing too is, well, and some advice that I heard is if there's someone who you want to, you know, be featured on their blog or their podcast, go and read or listen to the last few episodes or the posts that they've made, see what kind of content they're putting out, see if you can serve their audience. Like, do you actually, are you a good fit for them? And if so, awesome, go for it. They're going to love that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely question for you. How do you feel like you carved a niche for yourself in the quilting community? I know a lot of times people are like, there's so many pattern designers or so many whatevers. So how do you feel like you've created a place for yourself? I feel like my, so this kind of goes back to my roots, my, my beginnings as a maker. I make weird stuff. I make what I want to make and what I feel like I haven't seen in the world. And so I'm, I'm trying really hard not to pay attention to what's trendy and what other people are doing. I'm just making what inspires me and like what lights me up. And that is attracting the people who are also weirdos who like modern quilts and bright colors. So it's just about being true to what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I love that. And my aesthetic and like, yeah, not trying to copy others. I kind of, I kind of um, faltered on that a little bit early on in my, um, in my career, I think, because 
I was seeing everybody else's websites and what they looked like. And um, Mr. Domestic, actually, Matthew um, Boudreaux, he, mm-hmm. uh, he's sort of an informal mentor of mine. Um, he looked at my website once. I asked him a question about it. And he was like, this does not look like you. This looks like you're trying to be other people. And like the color scheme was just like clearly not me. Um, whereas my website, if you look at it now, it's got my color scheme and it's bright and it definitely reflects my personality a bit more, I I think, than my previous one that was kind of like, oh, it's pastel. It's a Mm -hmm. little bit inoffensive. Yeah. Um, because I, you know what? I am offensive. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm me, you know, like I don't, I don't go out there to offend people or anything, but I'm just, you know, I, I kind of have no filter. So, um, that's, uh, yeah. So that's how I guess my, I didn't carve out a niche for myself. My niche was like already there and they just came to me. This is so huge. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had people ask, how do I know what's popular so I know what to make? And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. you do you and then you attract the people who like that, you know, and but I will say it's a very common normal thing at the beginning. And it's very common for people like you were saying to not it was there the whole time you were there, you you are you but to be able to, to like recognize that and embrace it that's that takes some time and it's normal for people to like slip up I don't know if slip up but just to try and figure that out a little bit oh, you for know sure. yeah yeah I mean you, you know there's there's this model that we see especially on social media right so you see what everybody else's pictures look like and the types of content that they share and it's like oh okay I must post a flat lay and it must have at least three pieces of flair. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay, what what accessories can I find that are in this color scheme? <laughs> and you know, like it's not like anybody says that. It's not like there's a rule book that says you must, thou shalt make a flat right. lay. <laughs> thou shalt add accessories from your sewing box that are the same color, even though you don't actually need colorful thread for this thing. And there's right. no need Clips. guilty <laughs> right? and I like I do it too because like now I do it because I know that it makes a more interesting photo and like you know if I put this thing here then it draws the eye in that right, line yeah. and whatever but um uh, yeah you know like you, you just kind of like you see this stuff and you just kind of absorb it by osmosis as like well this is how the game is played um and there's, it's really easy to kind of get caught up in that and like, oh, well, my pictures are not bright enough or my pictures are not this enough. And, oh, I should really incorporate some millennial pink into my work. No, (laughs) no, that's, that's not my color scheme. That's not my jam. I'll leave that for other people. And like, yeah, you know, their people will make their quilt and my people will make my quilt and, you know, they can, they can all coexist and make each other's patterns and everything is great. Um, but I'm going to make the quilts that I want to make. And I mean, I remember when I very first started in this whole community, my biggest dream was to design fabric, which honestly today, I don't know if I ever really want to do that. But the advice that I got was from someone who's very successful and they said, make sure it's unique and that 
from a mile away, someone can know that that's yours. And yes. then I've started to think about like the big, like Tula Pink, Rifle Paper Company, any any brand that's really successful, like really successful over the long haul, they're unique. They are uniquely them. They don't follow the rules of anyone else. And you can spot it from a mile away, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and- I love that. I mean, I don't know how much of that is like an intentional marketing branding decision and how much of that is just like, you know what, those are the ones that rise to the top. True. That's interesting. I mean, that's an interesting thing to think about. So which one, say that one more time, you wonder which one. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if it's that they have a deliberate marketing and branding decision that they make to like be unique. Um, or if it's just the, the brands that are unique and that have this signature style and, um, are a little bit different from everyone else are the ones that happen to rise to the top. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess either way, the ones that rise to the top have that a signature Mm -hmm. look. It's just whether or not that's an intentional marketing thing or if it's, you know, truly, (laughs) truly them. Yeah. I mean, how do you even go through that? Like, oh, how do I be more unique? That's the thing. (laughs) I know. It's like, oh my gosh. how do? And that's why it takes a while. I've even for me, like I went through some, uh, what do you call identity crises where I'm like, well, I should do that because that's, that's doing really well for so-and-so, you know? Right. And then being like, no, that, that is not me. But you have to kind of go through that and even artists of all the different genres it goes through this oh, identity sure. you know yeah yeah and like I mean I, I can just imagine like you know two years from now maybe I will make a quilt that has millennial pink in it and somebody will call me out and I'll be like <laughs> you said on that podcast that you would never use millennial pink <laughs> you're allowed to change and evolve yes. as you go and like especially yeah as an artist you're going to go through different areas of experimentation you know you'll go through your curve piecing stage and then you'll go through your hand quilting stage and like maybe you will maybe you won't maybe you'll never make something that's block based um having a, a like just being true to what your heart wants to make is like the most unique that you can be Yes. Okay. So if you were thinking of someone who's either starting a new creative business or they're trying to grow it, what is one business tip that you would share with them? Okay. So this is related to what we were just saying about being you, but um, don't get in your own way. So on on Instagram, it's really easy, especially if you're looking at Instagram outside of just the quilting space it's really easy to think, oh, everybody's got their stuff together. Everybody's gorgeous and has perfect makeup and eyebrows and um, this, that, and the other thing. And I am not good enough. Um, Or this work is not good enough to share. And so I'm just, I'm not going to share this. I'm not going to share that. Uh, I'm not going to go on stories and talk to my people today. Um, I found myself at the beginning of pandemic, like a year ago, um, not showing up because there was nowhere to go. I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have to leave the house to pick up the kids or anything. And so I was, as I am right now, (laughs) in my jammies (laughs) with my bed head 24-7. And I was like keeping myself off of Instagram, like even off of stories, because I didn't feel like it was appropriate or okay for me to show up in my PJ shirt 
no bra. Like, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, you can see anything hanging out or anything like that, <laughs> right. but like, it's just, you know, you can tell, you can tell when there's no bra. Right. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. Can I frame myself so that it's from the shoulders up? And then, you know, Oh, but then my hair is like a complete and total mess. And at some point I was like, no, this is me. This is who I am. And I'm going to name it. Like I know that I have messy hair while I drink my coffee in the morning. And that is the time that I want to say hello to my people and, you know, just have a little inspirational chat or whatever. And so I named it. I called it coffee and bedhead. And like, if I label it as that, then it's intentional. And then it's a <laughs> thing. And then it becomes the thing that people know me for and that they um, admire in some cases from like fellow business owners. I've actually seen that. Oh, I wish I could do stories the way that Bobby does. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So now, now this thing that I thought was, um, was a barrier that I was making into a barrier. Let's be honest. It was only me. Not, it's not like anybody was like DMing me saying you cannot do your <laughs> stories without having brushed your hair, young lady. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So something that I had put in place as a barrier, as soon as I removed that barrier and allowed myself to be me, everybody loves it. Not everybody, not everybody. I'm sure mm -hmm. there are people who are just like, oh God, will she just shut up and like, all that coffee is not good for her. I don't know. <laughs> uh, did anyone say anything on those lines? I'm totally curious. No, no. Okay, I mean, there's yeah. people who are like, I don't drink coffee. I drink tea, but whatever. They're like, they'll send me pictures. They'll send me selfies of them drinking their tea. I love or, it. You know, they send me, um, they send me videos in my DMs of like them slurping their coffee or tea that is too full in their mug because like that's a thing that I did once I was like oh man okay so like I'm just being me and I'm giving myself permission to show up the way that I am and people love it not everybody but I am not for everybody so don't like don't put these barriers in your way you know like I'm not Kim Kardashian I don't I don't think I would know Kim Kardashian if I saw her but like I'm not I'm not some celebrity yeah. I'm not Susie Quilts right I'm right not, you know I'm not this person that person or the other person I am me and me does not brush my hair. <laughs> I I mean, this is so good. I think too, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm telling myself this because I want to believe it. But I feel like people are having less less desire to see the staged perfectness and they want more of the real. Yes. And I that's what I like anyways. I know like I mention her a lot, but Sarah Blakely of Spanx, if you don't follow her, she's just so real. I mean, she's like a female billionaire, super successful, and she'll come on with no makeup and be like, here's why I wear Spanx. Here's before, here's after. And and I love it. And same with Barry J. She's an artist uh, for Art Gallery. Yes. I haven't actually seen her in a while, but I used to see a lot of her stories and she's just very real, very, here I am, you know, not yeah. hiding anything. And it's very refreshing. I... I find it refreshing. A lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's like you can sense when somebody's fake. And I think, you know, once we get past a certain age, I don't know what that age is, like maybe 16 or something. There's you, you no longer want to be that like polished fake plastic person. Mm hmm. Totally. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some people do. And that's fine. They can, they can follow fake they can. plastic people. Yeah, they can be. Not that be. I'm saying that any of these people that I've mentioned are fake or plastic, but. Right, you know. right. But I do think there's a desire for people to get to know the real, you know, the real person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess this is maybe a topic for another day, but um, 
but also, I don't know, there's times where I'll be like, I don't know if I want to do a story or something today. Cause I'm not, I'm not having a great day. And so I don't know, do you have thoughts on like, cause you don't want to go on and complain or be a Debbie downer, but you don't also want to paint a picture that everything's always perfect. Have you, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I have an anecdote on that. Um, All right. yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year for a lot of people. Um, I'm not saying that my woes of having my wonderful children at home is worse <laughs> than anyone else's circumstances. But, you know, some days it's more than I can handle. Um, and so I, you know, I was just kind of like, ugh, the kids, something, something in my stories. And one of my followers responded with, you're always so depressed, lol. Oh, and I was like, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't, what is this person's intention? And I was just like, what? <laughs> okay, yes, I am actually depressed. And like, I didn't, I didn't respond to this specific person. I didn't block and be blessed because I was mm-hmm. like, I'm just actually baffled. What is this person's intention? Um, you know, why, like, if it wasn't for the lull at the end, then I might think that they were concerned, maybe. I don't know. And so like, I, I kind of like, tried to push it aside. And mm-hmm. it just kind of stuck with me for a couple of days. And then like, at one point, I was doing an I was doing a story like a couple of days later, and I was like, talking and I was like, Oh, wait, sorry, let me put my smile on. And like, the dam just kind of broke. <laughs> and I was like, actually, let me tell you all this, this anecdote, because this is a thing that happened. And people were like, I can't believe that person said that. Um, what were they thinking? And like, wow, you don't have to be like happy for us or anything like that. And that, that person actually did respond to me. And she was like, I'm sorry, I actually don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry for being a jerk. And I was like, cool. Okay, we're good now. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. And I do, I mean, being removed from the situation, it's easy for me to say, well, that says more about them than you. But when you get those kinds of comments, it's it, we're human, you know, we feel it. And, but it is an interesting balance to try and figure out how to be real and authentic, but also not be a Debbie Downer who's always, you know, so I don't know. That's a, it's a fine line that I guess I'm still navigating. I mean, I use humor to cope. It's, it's my, it's my number one coping mechanism. Some people use wine, I use humor. And, (laughs) um, so I try to just kind of turn everything into something funny if I can. And some mm-hmm. days, some days it's just, I, I, there's no humor to share. It's all just right. morbid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so I don't on those days, but you know, uh, like I, I've had people reach out to me and be like, Hey, I haven't seen you do coffee and bedhead in a few days and I miss you. And so, you know, I want to show up to those people. I want to show up and I think, I thank them. I thank those people for being my community because right now, that's kind of all the community I have. <laughs> right? I know. Like these people online, I'm like, you're actually my really good friends, just so you know. And I love that they reached out and were like, we miss seeing you. I That's that's really sweet. And it says a lot about the community that you've created. So exactly. I, I I think that's great. Yeah. All right. I've got a few rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? All right. Bring them on. Okay. Would you say you are more of an introvert or an extrovert? Total introvert. Okay. I've yet to meet a diehard quilter who's an extrovert. So if you are one, reach out. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I'm probably the most extroverted quilter that I know. And I'm, I'm like hardcore introvert. I'm going to need like three hours of downtime. (laughs) I feel you. I've scheduled it in. Okay. (laughs) All right. What's a favorite candy or dessert of yours? 
anything with caramel. Hmm. Okay. Give us one example. Um, pralines and cream ice cream. Mm, yum. Okay. What's a book that you love? Um, I don't really read nonfiction. I'm all about the audiobooks. And one of the recent ones that I read and really enjoyed was uh, Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Ayemi. Yes, I love that, actually. That book is great. Okay, we'll have to chat books more after this. Yes. Uh, who is one of your quilty BFFs? And you can name a couple if you want, or plead the fifth if you don't want to leave anyone out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to leave anyone out. And like, this is so yeah, you know, there's this great community and everything. But I, I kind of feel like if I say anyone, that, yeah. like, not that I'm going to be leaving someone out, but that they're going to be like, really? Really? Oh, but yes. Like, we don't hang out. <laughs> you think we're friends, huh? <laughs> but one of my oldest quilty friends from Instagram is Darlene uh, Decapulous. Um, you know, we don't hang out as much as we used to, but she's still my friend. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And lastly, what is an Instagram account that we should definitely be following? I'm going to say Lynn's Avenue. So this I this is a quilty, I assumed it was a, in, in the quiltosphere, but Lynn's Avenue, she's a fairly new designer and I just love how she works with color and curves and go out there and follow her. She's awesome. Thank you. And for our listeners, where can they find you? Geekybobbin.com at geekybobbin on Instagram and just basically anything geekybobbin. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Bobby, for being here today. This was so fun. You're awesome. And I will be sure to leave in the show notes where people can check out your course and all of your patterns and the fun things that you offer. Wonderful. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. One more thing. Instagram. If you have an Instagram account for business, do not let it get hacked. Go to geekybobbin.com slash biz and you will see um, the link to a free lesson for thank the you. five things it'll take you less than five minutes and i'll show you click by click how to secure your account because i don't want you to be hacked okay i'm doing that right now so thank you (laughs) all right thanks so much we'll talk to you later bye thank you Bobby, thank you so much for being on the show. it was an absolute blast and honor to have you and i seriously love chatting with you I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And just a reminder, if you are interested in having a one-on-one business coaching call with me and you're comfortable with that being on the podcast, then be sure to rate and review the podcast, leave your Instagram name, and you can also send me a screenshot via email or Instagram DM just to make sure that I know that you've applied. And my email is quilterscandybox at gmail.com or Instagram, it's quilters underscore candy. And this is open to anyone who has a small business and you would love to have a one-on-one mentorship session. It'd be one hour session. And again, this will be used for a future podcast episode. If that's something that interests you, again, be sure to rate and review the show and leave your Instagram name or a way to contact you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Craft a Career podcast. Be sure to check in next week where I have invited a copywriter to come and talk about her tips and tricks for copywriting. And if you don't know what that is, it's the art of using words to really attract people to what you're offering. And it's something that's super fascinating to me. And Danny is one of the best copywriters out there. So be sure to join because she has some amazing tips for you. So I will see you next week on the Craft a Career Show. Mm-hmm.